1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the For All Mankind podcast, where the officially unofficial podcast for Apple TVs for all mankind. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week, B Michael. Uh say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, B Michael Kroll is the writer, as a writer and filmmaker, living in a Pasadena, California, with several degrees. He's once named one of 40 accountants under 40 to watch. Once wrote a Scotch sketch comedy show about Blink 182. When not writing or trying to get doomed to film projects off the ground, he spends most of his time goofing off and creating melancholy electronic music. B Michael, how's it going? Yes. Going well, Aaron. Thank you for the opportunity. I this appreciate you having you. Know, I, I sent out the red flare like early this week when Jim's like, uh, I'm not feeling too well, Mr. Stark. And uh I had like, you know, it's like I was just like I, I was I reached out to a bunch of people, I put a flare out on Twitter, and B. Michael's one of the guys uh who I've uh I've we've been in touch before. Uh he's one of the guys that answered the bell. So I appreciate it uh very much. If you want to find out more about Michael, uh B. Michael and what he's doing, uh I've got some links in the show notes for you. But we're here to talk about for all mankind, um since you're new to the podcast what how are you liking this season?
0: You know I've heard a lot of bad things about the season when I started doing some research. I knew it was going to be on the show and um I don't know i, don't, I sort of see the complaints, but i've I've really been enjoying the season. I mean, yeah, it's more soap opery, but that's just the nature of what happens when space becomes commercialized. you know that's the whole point of the season is that we now have blue collar and white collar workers existing and you get any number of people in one place in one in one time there's gonna be soap opera and drama stuff you know it's like a workplace mm. not comedy but it's a workplace drama now
1: and i think that's okay what do you think about this episode in particular
0: i like this episode um, i thought the strongest part of the north korean subplot you know the uh oh. the philip marlowe kind of detective stuff happened i really like that kind of stuff i'm a sucker for that kind of thing yeah i yeah. thought the um I've always thought the Margot stuff is kind of like a weak link a little bit because, like, I don't know. It's never she never really grabbed me as a character beyond her being very competent. But like, you know, I was having trouble figuring, like, not trouble, but you know, keeping track of who's who and what and that kind of thing, like what's happening mm-hmm. here and who's you know trying to see through the sides and whatnot of uh, mm-hmm. you know the Russians and all that kind of thing. But no, I thought you know overall, I thought it was a very good episode. A lot of a lot of um, chess pieces moving into place to get the next one
1: yeah and as I you know um, as I predicted or as as I've been saying that like even though I haven't liked elements like I think some of the plots are kind of outlandish some of the characters weren't my favorites. I said you know it's a, a lot of times shows have a way of taking stuff that maybe was a little rough maybe was a little mm-hmm. half baked and when you go into the finale you don't rem- you know it's not required to 100% follow the footsteps from A to B on the plots just like you've got you know Miles he's the you know, black market king and the north koreans have got their little spy thing going and like even though the pieces individual pieces of the quilt might not have been stitched correctly the quilts coming together nice and i feel like this episode yeah. is a very good example of the quilt coming together rather nicely this you mentioned philip Marlowe. um this gave me a lot of like techno thriller vibes mm-hmm. you know like tom clancy where you know, the, in, the audience has all the information, not all the factions do. They're making assumptions based on limited information uh, ran, that no one accounts for, like, random chance and right. happenstance and bad luck and that stuff compounds. And I, I got really caught up in it. And to the extent, like, at, this, is ha- this has been the case for every damn season of For All Mankind. Mm-hmm. I go into, at the end of the penultimate episode, I'm like, how in the hell are they going to wrap this up in a single episode? And they've never failed yet. So we might be in for like an hour. I haven't looked at the runtime of the final episode. It it might be another one, of those hour and a half specials, but uh... it's
0: it's an hour, 16 minutes.
1: There you go. So we got a super-sized episode. It's about 30 minutes longer than they've been averaging this season. But even still, it's like, golly, putting away all of the threads that they've currently got open and unstitched and in the inim- inimitable way they have of like casting the ball another 10 years into the future. Mm-hmm. I just I can't see how they're going to do it, but I'm excited to see how, how it does all come together.
0: They definitely have some things they got to deal with, you know, like – um, I don't know if we want to get into stuff immediately, but like you know, um, uh, Lee is that did he did he murder his supervisor at the end? You know, like was was that? I was trying to figure that out this morning. I was watching the episode again. Like, is that just a sleeper hold? Is he dead? What are they gonna and, and, do? That's, that's yeah, a major issue.
1: It's it's always a tough because like I never know if Hollywood under you know like in Hollywood like you 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 throw a choke on someone for ten seconds they're dead right. Yeah. But like a lot of times when they do that, they'll throw in the celery stick snapping to let you know yeah. that oh his necks broke. But I because yeah yeah you put someone in sleep roll for ten seconds they're gonna wake up 5-10 seconds later pissed off. He has uh, angrier. Yeah, this guy seems like he's maybe down for the count. I, I think that's the implication. But yeah, right. he just he just murdered a fellow North Korean national.
0: That's that's someone's gonna miss that. You know they're
1: gonna mm-hmm. miss him. But also, it's like if you commit a big—that's—I that, that, guess the, that's the other theme—is if you commit a big enough crime, you know, all the sub crimes don't really matter. Like if you overthrow a government, no one cares that it's illegal. It's just you overthrow the government, and you get the—you know, if uh, if you steal an well, asteroid worth $20 dollars, $20 uh, and Earth can't do anything about it. Um, I guess there's the minor drama of what happens to Lee's wife, you know, because she's still in danger. She's, she's on Earth, North, he's on yeah.
0: Mars. Yeah. I was just going to say, Aaron, that um, it only matters if you're successful, or it doesn't matter right. if you're successful. You have right. to, you have to, you, you shoot at the king, you can't miss.
1: Yeah. 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 And in space, not missing can look like a lot of different things. It could be Goldilocks skipping out of solar system, it could be Goldilocks smacking into Earth or Mars. Mm hmm. Uh, And that's the thing like I've kind of lost sight of that in the last few weeks and over the break, but the whole giant impact theory of what if they they're playing this game of cosmic pool, what if they scratch the cue ball, you know, like there and and no one's really been so it makes me think I'm crazy because no one once in this season has mentioned that as a potential stake. You know, it's all about the yeah. economic benefits and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I don't think it's on the show's radar, but I can't help but think when you're moving asteroids around and trying to insert them into orbits where people are living on those planets. who boy.
0: Yeah, no, I thought about that, too, because, like, they're trying to get the uh, asteroid to, to permanently mar- or orbit Mars. Well, because you guys mentioned this last episode, like, who's doing all the calculations on the Mars end, right? In theory... Mm-hmm. All the math has to be done on Earth because of the supercomputers, all that kind of thing. Who's doing right. it on their end on Mars? And if they screw up, what happens if they do, like, hit Happy Valley, for instance? You know, something completely calamitous and dramatic like that. Yeah, and
1: even so, if De- Dev has been able, with the slide rules and pocket calculators yeah. on Mars, uh, able to, to calculate the correct trans-Martian injection burn what happens if earth desperate to regain control you know they need to burn what two extra minutes what happens Mm -hmm. if nasa cuts that at 45 seconds and now you know and everybody's just like you know or or even the people on board the ranger like pull start pulling fuel pipes and whatnot like there's a lot
0: a lot of room for things to go wrong the one thing i will say is that this show is kind of tracked what you'd consider like the natural evolution of space, you know, first went to the moon then went to Mars. Well, the next big frontier is asteroid mining. So mm. if they were to slam the, the asteroid into happy Valley, for instance, you know, what would they do next? They wouldn't try to do that again. You know what I mean? So what's the next season going to be? Cause the show's coming back for next season, obviously. So True. what would be the next frontier?
1: It's a good question because it does look like we're poised to essentially be doing expanse the prequel by right. next season, you know, like we'll have melters, mm-hmm. we'll have people working and living in, in zero gravity all the time. It's it's exciting. But that's the other thing. It's like Jim and I have mentioned several times like we're not sure. Whether the theory of this show is going to be we're putting on putting us on the path towards like Star Trek where it's more mm-hmm. utopian and, you know, high minded or if we're going to go down the path of the expanse where essentially we keep the same political economic things on Earth going in space. And, you know, you continue these cycles of exploitation and uh, um, domination and whatnot. And, and I don't know, because like I, f- I feel like the way it's going like this episode you have guys like Marv wringing his hands about like oh we got 6 billion people ready to be uplifted and a handful mm-hmm. of malcontents are bringing it down but that's that's human history man that's yeah. not Star Trek that's that's not what something Picard would say well Star Trek has uh, so. always been
0: aspirational I think that right. realistically we're probably looking at something like The Expanse that's kind of the themes they have been playing with all season you know like blue collar yeah, yeah. versus the astronauts you know the mm-hmm. whole like you know thing. yeah you know what I'm saying so Oh yeah. Well Well Wallace
1: versus the Beltalodas. Um yeah, and the thing is that the 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 wild card is Ron Moore, uh the former showrunner, the guy who kind of architected the show. He's an old Star Trek guy. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, what what was was he trying to do? Is he trying to suggest that if we Keep working together in space; that we'll figure things out faster. Or, but, but that's the other thing. It's like, you know, in in Star Trek's fictional history, they didn't go from like us to Star Trek; they went from us to eugenics wars, yeah, to World War Three. It uh, was messy. It, yeah, they they really fucked things up before things got better. So we'll see. Well, that's a happy right, we... We... to start on? Yeah. Well, you know, that's <laughs> that's for all mankind. Uh, are we ready to get into the episode? Let's do it. You're listening to Hi, Bob. We'll be right back. Here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on Bald Move.
2: Apple TV is releasing a new series based on Blake Crouch's novel Dark Matter. Aaron and I are big fans of his work, so we're picking up the new show on day one. Join us this Wednesday for the preview podcast.
1: The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part
2: podcast in the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. He's a stunt man tasked with finding the star of his ex girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night.
1: You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Our coverage of Hot D, Fire and Blood and the 1980's Shogun miniseries continues. But then on Tuesday, for the first time in 35 years, we asked the question, who framed Roger Rabbit? Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later.
2: Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter first two episodes drop simultaneously on Apple TV Plus and we'll have a pair of podcasts quantumly linked ready for you to observe. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite
1: podcast app. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to more For All Mankind. All right, uh, Brazil is this episode's name, and we join, it's been about a month, Dev says, and their operative Sam on board the Ranger hasn't managed to install uh, Dev and Ed's rogue discriminator module. Mm -hmm. And they're beginning to sweat until Sam manages to make her move with just 48 hours to spare.
0: Yeah, I was a little, um, I liked, sort of liked how they did this, but like, She's been on the Ranger a month. This is an opportunity she has to dump some water into the, into the vent. You know what I mean? Uh, l- rang a little false on that one
1: yeah i that's the thing it's like when she finally the, the, the making it out to be like if this was just resumption from last episode where she's like oh god i'm looking for my spot looking for my spot okay i'll squirt this bottle of water in there it would have played better but the month it's like but i i think they should this is another thing where i don't think the writers maybe had as much time to polish this as i would hope because mm. it seemed like the easy fix would be for them to be like well we don't want to short out the mod like there's this there's this pay. There's this um, tension between wanting to short out the discriminator module and replace it, and right. leaving NASA, Russia, Earth the least amount of time to discover the plot and fix it.
0: Well, that but, begs the question, though. Like, if they're going to discover, how they're going to discover it, right? And why couldn't they? Why would they just? Dis- why would they take this? Why would they discover it, like forty eight hours later? Or, you know what I mean? Like, is it okay to have two days as opposed to a month? You know, if their if their plot is that foolproof, they shouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to tell there's a new discriminator on board. You know what I mean?
1: That's the thing is like I think they should have made it as like this isn't foolproof like if if if, because like yeah people like I because they're also making it clear that like NASA's just obsessively testing they're doing like tests every Mm -hmm. system tests every six hours and whatnot and it's like it's not beyond the realm of imagination to just just like hey there's something weird in the signal that we're getting back from Ranger and but the thing is is none of that is on the screen or on the page so you know we're just kind of supplying a little bit of more believability because it's like you're left to like. For 30 days, Sam's up there mopping the sweat from her brow uh, <laughs> on how she's going to get the angle and squeezing that to a little bottle. I finally got enough flop sweat that I can short. But Because, yeah, it seems like it would have been pretty easy just to bop up there and, and squirt some, some, some fluid yeah. into it.
0: Yeah, I just assumed it was uh, water, but now the idea of Samantha throwing flop sweat into the discriminator is, is really, it's a good one. I like that. It makes me happy. Um, you know, I've, I've,
1: I've complained about the low-G work uh, mm-hmm. And the lack thereof this season. I did think they did a pretty good job this episode. They had they had Sam flying around. Um, I don't know why they don't do a better job at the one third gravity on Mars and whatnot, but like I, the, some of this was fairly impressive work. her kind of skirting yeah. around the cabin. Um, but yeah, we also have this the, the the Ranger Techs do discover the shorted out discriminator. Uh, Sam helpfully offers to go get one uh, out of her private store and swap it. I thought that they do a lot of things to increase the tension this episode. I really like that POV shot of the great. You know, it doesn't yeah. really pay off, but it gives no. you that feeling that, oh, man, we
0: could be watched at any time. Yeah, I was wondering what they're doing with that, because normally you don't set something like that up and then just drop it. I think you know. it's supposed
1: to give you into like that paranoid feel, and then it does pay off when you find out later that the North Koreans have wired Happy Valley for sound and audio. Oh yeah. so it's like yeah, they don't yeah. they don't have the Ranger, but it's kind of like who could be watching? Oh. And with Cho kind of like watching the plotting later, I, I think it all, I kind of t- ties it together, and it, it just to me it just increased the. Well, do we the, know that the they don't paranoid. have the Ranger?
0: How do they get the rest of the ah? Uh, the
1: yeah, you're right. We don't know. I didn't see any feeds of the Ranger, but then again, I wasn't really looking. I was, you know, when he's doing the elevator slew thing, I was kind of
0: locked in on the elevator. So I agree. Right. They've, they've kind of already got the, uh, they already kind of got their hooks into the conspiracy. So that might be putting a hat on a hat, but still, right. You know, we don't know. But they could. After last season, I will never count out North Korea. No. <laughs> Cause I
1: thought them landing on Mars first was kind of a joke, a meme, but turns out they fucking did it. So, um, what else? Oh yeah. So next scene, Kelly briefs Dev on her yeah. study of potential life in the korolev crater, but she
0: noticed he's oddly distracted. What do you think of that? Yeah, he didn't seem really all that uh, that excited about the potential of life on Mars. You know, like, and it wasn't that that, wasn't that, the, that was the reason why he brought her up there, basically, right? That was they were supposed to try to find life, uh, try to get evidence of life, and right now, and he just didn't seem all that cool about it i don't know
1: it seems like he's it, it seems like he's using her you know like yeah. i think he has genuine affection for his her son because they're playing mm-hmm. with their plane models while you know he's supposed to be paying attention to kelly but it, it seems obvious that he came to mars to steal this asteroid and yeah. everything else that he has said to Alita to kelly i don't even know if he's completely being honest with ed Uh, about, you know, like what happens after this, this all happens. Um, But I, I, yeah, it feels I, and and I, they also, the way the episode is structured, we don't know exactly what Ed tells Kelly,
0: you know? Yeah, I like that part. We'll get to that when we get that scene, but that was actually a really nice touch there. Um, But there's an, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, we know why Dev isn't really interested in what she has to say, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's he's a hard character to get a read on. I like that about him. He's very like you know, what is his true motivations, all that kind of stuff. He's a very deep thinking character, and it comes out to the performance. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He could have he could have faked a little more excitement about the potential inter, interstellar life. You know, I think he's the type of guy that has a hard
1: time doing that, and and also like if if he the way he's like cynically using his experience with his father. And Kelly's experience with her father and trying to draw that parallel to kind of, and and, and it's, it's not out of any genuine like attempt to like, you know, connect with Kelly. It's just to kind of soothe her, you know, he's, he's using the shared experience against her. And I think it's like, man, that's just, that's really shitty. And uh, I don't know what Kelly does when, when all the pieces drop here.
0: I don't know. Like maybe um, I'm not really seeing this. Maybe, I mean, I'm seeing him use that experience, but I don't know. if Necessarily being cynical to manipulate her. Maybe he's really. Maybe generally. Yeah. Maybe generally. You can generally like somebody and still use them. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, I guess what yeah. I'm saying is like my my thought is when Kelly is
1: basically saying, "What's up with you and Dad?" and he's like, "Oh, you know, it's uh, and 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 she's like, "Yeah, I, I wish I was getting close to my father and him." You know, seeing an opening in there to like put her a little at ease, but yeah, maybe I'm being too cynical.
0: Yeah, uh, you're you're being a cynical Gen Xer guy. Well, that's <laughs> how I never get hurt again. You all right? I got my guard up all the time.
1: Uh, hey, I'm there too, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Ed and Miles lean on uh, the 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 North Korean cosmonaut, first man on mm-hmm. Mars, Lee to yeah. give them to, to lend them their North Korean spy eyes cuz they want to see
0: the whole base. Yeah, I would kind of bumped in this a little bit. I mean, I like I like this plot line. I love like the through line of the North Korean episode. So I'm not complaining too much about it, but like you know, the whole por- the whole premise of this is they have these um not the premise, but the, one of the ideas they're playing with this season is that we have these guys, these blue collar workers that make life on Mars really possible. So wouldn't they have access to everything already? You know if they're trying to get trying to get surveillance in the ops center to do various other places. Wouldn't they have access to that? But I guess there's only like what four or five people in the conspiracy around it anyway. So I guess yeah, probably, if they don't have yeah. their audio
1: video guy that they could talk into, like, hey, could you? Because because you're right, you think you could do an Ocean's Eleven style, just go to wherever the NASA stuff, yeah. the network closet, and put your clips in there and do. But Maybe and also it's like they only have forty eight hours, so it's like mm-hmm. if they know North Korea already has a place wired for audio and video, then it's like probably easier to steal that than. But that's the it turns out to be one of the fatal flaws in their their plan. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because yeah. it's not just one fatal flaw. There's like this is like the the best kind of techno thriller. There's like mm-hmm. three or four loose threads that different people are starting to pull at. And it it's 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 like are they going to be able to the the pull the threads you know in time? Or Is it going to be like you know like last season when Karen realizes the bomb plot, but it's literally seconds before it's about to explode?
0: Yeah, um, I'm curious. They got a lot of Rube Goldberg type machinations going on here, and that's why this all started falling apart. But you know, I like that. So you know. it is like I I still am it, 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 I still can't
1: keep thinking that this whole plot makes Lee seem stupid the idea that they're going to sneak his wife in a cargo transport from North Korea. You know, they got to get from North Korea to America onto the flight out to Mars. Like, I wish that when they came clean to them about the plan, the Ed and, uh, uh, Dev and miles essentially said, look, here's the deal. You help us on this. We'll be the Kings of Mars. We can, we can name our demands. Mm-hmm. Like getting your wife up here will be as, as easy as
0: asking for a, a dozen eggs, you know? Yeah, um, that's a str- that's a strong motivation. But I also think that I don't think it's stupid as much as he's hopeful. You yeah. know, like this is her his one shot at getting her out. But yeah, you're right that your your uh your suggestion is much stronger. But I don't necessarily know if it, if the way it did it makes him seem stupid. I think he's just hopeful. Like, hey, if I do this, these guys do have power. They are next to the guy, the Helios guy. You know, if we can do this, because he said in the beginning, like we got we have a plan to get her out of North Korea. It's getting up here is more complicated.
1: Yeah, I just wonder like cuz I always think um, you know, if it would be one thing if this is like a North Korean kind of like like the blue collar worker, but this is their one of their cosmonauts. Right. I feel like he would understand like he'd be like, "Okay, I want to know what your plan is." Uh tell and but I think the reason that they're being a little opaque there is cuz there is no real that if they if they right. outlined any possible plan, it would seem ridiculous. So they're just like, "You know, it's it's just a plan and Lee probably knows about it, but I don't know, this is just me being a, a negative Nelly." Probably (laughs) probably should uh, should uh, uh, put it nip that in the bud. Um, So, yeah, I guess uh, things seem to be coming together. They got Lee's help. They got spies in the control room and they confirm that the discriminator has been replaced and they have control. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I did love that that they had the old school modem sound for like the handshake protocol. (laughs) Between the Ranger and Mars, like it's just okay. We got yeah, our 14.4 modems connected now. We're all good.
0: <laughs> that's that's a good, uh good a egg for people. We used to do AOL and all that kind of stuff. And BBS uh-huh. back in the day. I like that too. What? That was fun.
1: I wouldn't swear that that's actually what happens when they contact like Voyager, you know, they still like every month or so try to, to make, con- I, I, I wouldn't, su- but like, this is like 2003. I don't know. I guess it is the heyday of the
0: modem handshake there. What? Wouldn't it suck if next episode someone tries the phone while they're talking to the Screamator and knocks it off? That'd be hilarious.
1: (laughs) Mom, I'm trying to steal an asteroid. Get off the phone. Yeah. Uh, So Aleda, back on Earth, gives some cloudy financial forecasts to the M7 meeting about how long it's going to take to realize the Goldilocks gains, even with it being in Earth orbit, Mm -hmm. before Margo pulls her aside and insists on having some risky communication
0: with Sergei. Yeah, this is things we're kind of, kind of going off the rails a little bit for me here in this episode. Like, you know, we'll talk more about this when we get to the dinner scene. But, you know, I find it hard to believe that Sergey is the only person that can do this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, this is a big enough project for both Roscosmos and uh, NASA. You know, this is the project. They have the best minds of the planet doing this. And they need this guy, Sergei, Sergei to to help them with, figure the stuff out. That they do is clandestinely and all that kind of thing. With yeah. so much risk. That was kind of a little... I bumped a little bit on that, I gotta be honest.
1: Yeah, I will say that um, everything that they said about Margot at the start of the season, about how long she's been out of the game and how her technology and her skills are out of date has to go double for yes. Sergei, who's been teaching high school physics for the last, like, eight years, you know? yeah um, he's had less involvement you know he hasn't been like you know keeping up with what's going so i i, I agree but i i interpret that as like this is more about Margot wanting to connect with sergey she doesn't yeah. need him but she wants to connect to him and well, then what does uh,
0: Alita go along with it though yeah you know what I that's mean? a good
1: that's a good question because uh because aleda is feels obligated towards but i don't know you're you're right and it's also ludicrously dangerous the idea that yeah. sergey can meet with uh at aleda's house just because he parked three blocks away and cut through a neighbor's four. yard i mean what four, yeah, blocks. four blocks uh like this is this is teenager logic for sneaking out of your house to go see your girlfriend at one in the morning right it's cool, babe. It's cool, babe. I parked across. I parked down the street and I I cut through the neighbor's yard. No one like this is not what you do when you're trying to outsmart (laughs) a professional spy organization who is got eye. you know, is like got got got
0: hungry eyes on you. Yeah, both KGB and and America are watching this woman, you know, and and like that's another thing. Like they just let her go out to dinner and they don't bring anyone inside i thought
1: that was some bullshit too that they don't like maybe they i don't know i guess he came there hours before but it's again i i i think this is this is a little bit uh a little bit of a stretch
0: yeah
1: Uh, but you know what like as the latest says what part of the plan isn't um (laughs) (laughs) so the north korean station chief back on Happy Valley, notices something odd about their spy equipment. Uh, his yes. monitors are all staticky and uh, finds out that there's a piece of NASA gear, labeled NASA gear, uh, on the back of this thing. And he angrily confronts the good Danny about it, demanding her open an investigation immediately.
0: Okay. I am I am not completely up on uh, digital video technology, right? I have a TV. It's hooked into my Sonos Arc system, and I love it. It's great. I would, But I've kind of labored under the, the um, idea that if it's digital, you don't get those kind of like staticky analog-looking effects, right? Like this is all digital. It's being transmitted digitally. It's being it's being beamed out digitally. Why are we getting these static effects on the monitors, right? What do you think about that? I mean, am I being too nitpicky here? Uh, is it digital, though?
1: Because it looked like... Honestly, that NASA gear looked like going back to our Gen X roots. Looks like the signal uh, adapter that you screwed your Nintendo into in the back—that you know has the coax or the bayonet yeah. connectors. Like, it didn't look like it's like an HDMI or something. It looked like it's just literally And like, even today, I—I I, I don't know. This my information is like from ten years ago. But right. I used to work for a big C store chain and. Uh, even then, when we were like storing the things digitally, like we stopped using VHSs and started using hard drives, a lot of the cameras were still those old BNC type, you know, analog connectors. They would go into these capture cards and you capture them digitally. So, like, I guess I could believe that they got a shitty connector on there. I, I just thought it was hilarious that there's actually a box labeled NASA. That they, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I know they don't have a lot of time. This was like a hasty hack job, but it's just like, Really funny, the North Korean
0: guys. Like, what is this? And there's like a giant NASA logo yeah. on it. You know, yeah. Like walking over there, they could have like just scraped it off or something. You know, I mean. But then again, we're not dealing with actual criminals here. We I have people like smart people that. But again, I'm okay with it because the plot is it's pretty strong. I know we've been sitting here kind of capping on it the whole time, and say the plot's yeah. strong. But no, I like I like it. It's strong, but you know, come on, guys, let's let's have a little bit of more of a thought process going into this a bit. <laughs>
1: The only funnier thing would be if they had like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes in a spacesuit pissing on the North Korean flag. Like that's the logo, you know. Like fuck it, fuck it. Let's make that's sure that's on the back of their rover. Tell North Korea. I want them to know it was us. <laughs>
0: I hope there's a scene that if they get caught up a scene like Dev is like shouting at somebody like you didn't think to take the sticker off come on you
1: know. <laughs> yeah. And I there's a lot of some some comedy like I really like Lee just sweating like that his mm-hmm. commander finding this almost immediately. I really like how the the Lee and his commander I think his name's Cho. It's commander a Cho, Cho
0: Bunho. I, I checked that out in the credits.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, the way that they're like doing matching mean mugs, like you know, and they're you know demanding investigation. Yeah. And when they stop talking, he just assumes this like yeah. <laughs> st- this, this this particular expression, and Lee looks at because Lee's like you know he's kind of like a little Americanized. And he's like, oh shit, this is, and he he adopts it
0: too. It's just it's just really funny. Well, he's also got to like keep any suspicion off that he helped with this. Yes, of course. You know, so, so he's got to keep up face. Yeah.
1: And like it's also funny that because this is mo- this is often the case when you you read these like spy thrillers is that uh, you know like North North Korea can't reveal NASA's attempt to spy on them without revealing the fact that oh yeah, yeah. by the way we've been spying on you this entire time it's like ah I, I wonder if Cho had ran this up the chain of command if they would have been like don't confront them you idiot you've you just <laughs> now now they think that they think we don't know that they know how can we use this against them that's the obvious spy play but this guy yeah i don't know i don't i don't know what political uh, uh what, what political kind of appointment he he has here but I, I don't think he i don't think he thought it through
0: well your point's well made but like remember that these guys are astronauts first they're not spies true you know um I, uh,
1: it, it but it, she, it's, it's interesting because, like, this guy's ranting and raving in Korean, and she picks out him saying Mile, uh, Miles My, yeah. Dale. And Danny clocks that. And, like, I, I think she was kind of like, yeah, fuck these guys. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. Uh, I got an asteroid to capture. But that name really rang her bell and that kind of it's like no one of those little kind of odd happenstances she happened to catch mm-hmm. that name and that's like suddenly okay you technician take this part run it down like it instantly uh add a little uh, little fire under
0: the investigation uh, I like I like Danny's character a lot so it's, it's good to see her kind of like you know stretching out a little bit here I like that and they're they're also informing this is like the
1: first time I think that they're informing us that because Danny and Lee have a little bit of a a conversation. It's the first time the show is telling us that essentially after Goldilocks is captured, Danny's planning to be wheels up and back on Earth because uh, oh, she, she says, "Yeah, okay. we'll be Earthside
0: before you know it." All right, are we getting to the next scene? Because I have some thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, so Danny
1: V-mails her son about how yeah. proud she is of him and how she can't wait to return to Earth after Goldilocks is
0: done to be the best damn grandma in the solar system. First of all. Point A: I love how she's going to introduce the next generation to MASH. I love that MASH is a great show and everyone should watch it. B: She's dead. She she's absolutely she's a dead woman walking because you don't you don't send I a have message bold. To your
1: I have not yeah. bold. Is this a scene of doom? Because yeah, yeah absolutely. damn it, this is she the is cop dark. saying he's two weeks from retirement.
0: Yep. Uh, you don't start d- making plans with your kids like this and then like you know walk out unscathed. <laughs> I will say that the only
1: hope i have because honestly good danny dying i i kind of got like a little weepy in this scene because she is a beautiful character and these are beautiful Mm -hmm. sentiments to express but um the only sliver of hope i've got is like i thought they were really coding ed to die last season and Mm he you know pulled out uh this miraculous recovery got kelly to orbit managed to just thread the engines just right to avoid death I, I, I hope they pull out that for Danny because like, man, I just don't really, I don't, I, I, it, it'd it be a huge blow.
0: It'd be a huge yeah, she, blow to see Danielle die. She doesn't seem like she's she's a tragic character, you know? Like, Ed kind of mm-hmm. feels like a tragic character a little bit. Danny doesn't. You know, she's hyper competent. She knows what she's doing. She's been, been great in the show. I don't know. <laughs> I was told I was watching this I was thinking like, you know, the asteroids slamming in a happy Valley and last thing we'd see is like Danny there and all sorts of Dude. flames going up around her and, and it would suck if
1: Ed survives because here's the thing: like Ed reveals in this episode that like yeah. his greatest fear is probably Danny's dream, which is to die of old age surrounded by mm-hmm. your grandchildren and your children. Ed wants to go ah. out in a blaze of glory. Danny just wants to do her job and get home to her loved ones. And you know, it's
0: interesting all the parallels they've been doing to this episode. That is an interesting parallel I hadn't considered. Yeah, like she. His nightmare is her dream, like you said. That's a, that's a good one. So, yeah, Danny's dead. Ed survives. That's it. That's Put, 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 put five bucks down for me. That's what happens.
1: Uh, I have to talk about the Star Trek angle here. Yes. <laughs> because Danielle says that I know you hate it, but I'm going to do my damnedest to turn my granddaughter into a huge Trekkie. And she says I'm going to start her with the series, all three of them. Yeah, now, I, know.
0: I, I thought you might pick up on that.
1: 1995 is when Voyager premiered. I, are they saying that Voyager like they just have the what the old series TNG and Deep Space 9 and is this the better timeline where Voyager never existed?
0: <laughs> All right. I'm not a trekker, but I will say this in defense of Voyager. It has the best theme song of any of the treks ever. So, oh, get uh, the no. cut it,
1: Talitha. We got, I got a bad okay. host here
0: with bad uh, opinions.
1: Uh, we're I gonna said have theme to...
0: song. It's a great theme song. What, I mean, okay, yeah, the original one's pretty it's great.
1: better show, than, though, but... I was going to say, the old series and TNG. Better than that, that's
0: okay. Deep TNG, Space Nine, no. eh.
1: No, okay. TNG.
0: Okay, let's, can we agree on one thing, Aaron? The Is Enterprise theme sucked.
1: What? Okay, yes. What the hell? Rod Stewart
0: singing Star Trek?
1: What are they thinking?
0: <laughs> that was that was i stopped watching that show just because of the music honestly
1: i think that's the first trek that i didn't make it through a whole season i made it through two seasons of voyager before i'm like yeah i graduated high school now and i'm i'm doing other things but like enterprise <laughs> i think i made it through two episodes i'm like what is this uh so hey and again i don't mean to offend anyone that likes voyager and i that's part of being a trekker is uh is is busting each other's balls so if you like if voyager and enterprise are your favorite you're wrong but you know i still love you i'm more of a star um, wars
0: guy so voyager fans can just bite it i guess <laughs> uh just, the old yeah the old,
1: now, now we're going intra-family disputes it could get a little dicey <laughs> when you go there but uh you know i'll, I'll make sure i post b michael's uh, socials you can get at him it's really um, nice uh meeting everybody i gotta go bye <laughs> So Aleda invites Sergey and Margo to a little covert collaboration over dinner at her house. Again, this is the horny teenager plot of uh <laughs> don't worry, babe, I snuck out and it's fine. Um Yeah, I mean um it's funny because like there, this is the thing that they've been kind of hinting at. I think I forgot to mention this when um, Marv ducks out of Alita's meeting. Right. It's clear to everyone except for maybe Alita that stealing the Earth, effectively stealing the asteroid from Mars, is going to end the Mars program. And they really lay it out bold here. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting revelation that. I think they're hinting that Margot gave Sergey the plans to the fusion drive just so that Mars would be a competition because they both knew that if the United States pulled out a significant lead and Russia couldn't keep up, the United States would get bored and stop.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what parallels what happened in real life. I mean, we haven't gone back to the moon because there's nothing there. And you know, we're we we... only
1: going back now because China's trying, some would yeah. say.
0: Yeah, uh, so like... I, th- I think that's. I think it's a good. I think it's a good point they make, and it's. It is kind of a shame you're in this space, but like, I don't know. Um, like I got not have a, necessarily have an issue with that, or not necessarily have an issue. But like, I, one thing I was taking from this scene is like, just kind of like, the machinations of this conspiracy. Who's doing what? How are we doing these calculations? How are we making all this math happen? You know, mm-hmm. because we got these guys on the dinner table and their little hand-drawn notes and whatnot. And I buy that. You know, you kind of make you do your own notes, but again, going back to another point. This guy, how, how is he singularly so brilliant that he's essential to this plan? That they would risk everything to bring him here, to go to dinner and talk about this stuff. To do what? That's to figure something else out other people can't figure out, but the smartest people in the space program? I don't know. You're right. It's, it's a horny teenager thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You start that's the uh, that's right? the
1: only way. That's the only angle. It makes sense. Like it doesn't make like he is not vital to the translunar injection orbits. He's vital to getting Margot's lady parts rumbling for the first time in a decade. You know, like he's going to hit her <laughs> with the Duke Ellington. He's going to hit her with the Big Mac. She's going to be thinking about. And it's the other thing. that's, like a little cynical. Is that um, Sergei? I think is just going to leave his wife. Like uh, yeah, you're where fake, is Margot? You're fake Margo in Iowa, and you're okay when I didn't have real Margo, but, you know, uh, brand name Margo's back, and it's the great value Margo <laughs> is going to be left. We're going to go to Brazil,
0: okay? It yeah, that's, It's kind of uh, shitty. It is. It's really shitty. It really is shitty, and, like, you know, they established the time as a month. Like, Sergei just up and left Iowa, as in Iowa, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, is it a, I got I an email left- about that. Yeah, I got up and left Iowa and this where is his wife? I mean, I understand you can't do everything on a show. You only have ten episodes, but like Yeah. I just get this pressure like, you know, like, oh, okay, see you later, you know, and she does nothing. There's, he like no- walked
1: out of his high school job, went left instead of right, and then that's the last time he's a missing person. You know, she's she's yeah. weeping in her Iowan home, wondering what the hell happened to her dashing Russian husband. It's yeah. Um I don't I don't know why they why did they give him a wife? I would have much rather I would I, I would feel microscopically better about this if we just never <laughs> saw his wife. Why? Yeah. Like he's just been pining for Margot this entire time is the love of his life. The only person he was simpatico with his peer and equal. And he just never found another one. But turns out he was slumming with shitty Margot, And now he's going to break someone's heart. Why do we call her shitty Margo? I'm sure she's a lovely person, man. You're right, you're right, but let's not I'm just be saying, right. I mean, like if hey he he left her after seeing one press release of Margot, she can't be that good, okay well,
0: horn <laughs> hor- horny teenager, that's all we gotta say that's true. it's
1: true horny teenage logic it's the only thing that makes sense.
0: I also really love that like the show this episode but like you know it's such a great visual gag that you turn left, you go into your your life you turn right, you go back to Margot and your fen fun space life, you know, and yeah, yeah you yeah. just turns right and that's it that's a houston
1: um i think it's kind of key there's a little bit of thong between Margot and aleda as Margot's slipping she's turning to her inner grandma and she's slipping the yeah. kids candy that she's got in her pocket you know like those that. tootsie rolls are like six years old and rock hard <laughs> yep. man it's going to teeth- those those kids bite down at tootsie roll is going to pull at least three teeth oh. out of
0: their skull god that happened to me when i was at like a like a child ate a piece of candy, like my loose loose tooth and like you know, doll ah, up sounds, ch-
1: Sound like grandma knew what she was doing there. Had the loose tooth and the jolly rancher, and there you go. No, it wasn't <laughs> grandma, it was my seven. own
0: dumb my own dumb thing. I was eating candy and ah. like, you know, pulls teeth out of your head. That's uh oh God, that's that's terrible to think about. Sorry. Sorry, audience, bringing that up. That's a horrible image.
1: I did get excited because I, I thought this was a cool idea, the fact that they could defect to Brazil, which is a yeah. country that is plausibly powerful and wealthy enough to put off uh, Russian and United States interference as they build a space program. I think that's a cool idea, and it's a damn shame we're not – well, I, I guess Margo could still do it, but she doesn't have the connections
0: yeah, I, I, I like that. I think it's a kind of a hopeful kind of thing going on because I don't I don't believe one second that they're just going to go to Brazil and be able to be in that, that public of a job and then not be taken out by either Russia or America, you know? Yeah. Like, it, Sergei's got to know that in the back of his mind somewhere, some, at those, either of those countries' intelligence operations wants you dead, you're dead. You know, and like, both these two running off to go help Brazil that's a black eye someone's gonna get mad someone's gonna take you out I can't believe that Sergey doesn't think about that and maybe Margot's thinking about that a little bit because she's actually living under that regime right now but um I don't know it's a nice dream and I think it, that's a good thing it was kind of cool to talk about and I was hoping that would be the case but obviously we see later it's not going to be the case I would
1: like to if anyone knows different on feedback because I, I think one of the ideas is with the whole Monroe doctrine, the whole like you, you, United States say, hey, this western hemisphere is ours. Don't no Nobody fucks with the Americas, right? I right. Has there ever been an instance of Russia murdering someone in north, south or central America? Um, well, I'd be I'm curious sure. because like if, if this is like Europe or Africa or Asia, I would agree. But like I oh man, I don't know. But you've also got two rogue citizens. They're not like would America care if someone took Margo out? I know they wouldn't give a shit about Sergey. That was no, the only would... reason they did that is because of Margot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably more Russia than America. That's not I think about it, but yeah. still, I mean, it, it it I mean, as we saw, we you know, Sergey is going to get taken out anyway, so spoilers, yeah. sorry guys. It's uh yeah,
1: spoilers for, for 30 more minutes in the episode. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's it. But again, I think it's maybe horny teenage logic, you know, like oh, 17. Yeah. Let's run away. Let's get let's away from to this Vegas. place. And yeah, I can I, I can I am I got a little bit of money saved from McDonald's and you've got. Yeah, it's we, we take, can live on co- love. Well, let's cash out our college fund and, and live <laughs> off. Yeah, live off love. Uh So Danny calls up the wet bandit here on Earth and briefs mm-hmm. him about all the missing communication and computer equipment. He says, hey, don't look at me. It must have been Harry." <laughs> um Yeah, I I don't know. This is uh this is a uh, this is uh just, just kind of like uh catching people the catching important people up with what the audience already knows, right?
0: Yeah, exposition dump.
1: Nothing really to go on here. And then we see a scene of the North Korean commander uh keeping a watchful eye over the base. He's he's hunting for miles and he notices some elevator shenanigans.
0: Yeah, I I love this scene. This is great. It was well put together. It was like you know showing exactly what's going on. I have to admit though, the first time I saw it, I wasn't sure if he's like watching like old footage. I thought maybe he's going over old I... surveillance footage to see see what where who got into their their section. Um, but when I watched it the second time to to start taking notes on this. I how they're doing this really cool device. I really like this a lot. It
1: is really cool. And it's like completely nonverbal. You're just watching a guy put things together and like, oh, it's like, and you start to, there's like little bells going off, like miles yeah. backs out of going into the elevator when someone else steps on like, oh, that's weird. And he buys mm-hmm. some time and then gets on the elevator, rides it. It's then the elevator opens up and it's gone. And then, then he sees the restricted elevator levels and all that stuff. It's, I, I thought it's a really, really well-constructed scene. No, I like this one a lot so yeah very rude to his t-man you know yeah If he'd been a nicer guy maybe lee doesn't chill doesn't choke him out (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah we have another scene where now marv has gotten his uh his buddy will and arena from russia together to discuss uh what they're going to do about the stolen equipment
0: yeah, it's, it makes, this all completely logical, you know, more exposition, get moving the plot forward, you know, Eli gets those guys together, it's okay, let's activate our intelligence operatives, let's find out what's going on, um, you know, they're all figuring out what, you like think you said, they're figuring out what the audience knows, and they move forward with their, their plans up there.
1: T-minus three seconds until the ad. It's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple, a Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeny finally makes an appearance on Why Is Mr. Feeny a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, the very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why Is Mr. Feeney a Car each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. Touchdown! And we're back. So they make a literary reference and I gotta look those up every time I hear one. They mention uh, Arena shouts out Dost- uh, Dostoevsky's... Dostoevsky. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, the crystal palace. Have, have you familiar with this reference?
0: No, I, um, I've read some Dostoevsky, but like, well, she also says some asshole decides to destroy it. I'd be very surprised if Dostoevsky uses the word asshole, but he, it sounds like something he would say, you know? Yeah.
1: So this is from his notes from the underground, uh, oh, really? which I is, I'm going to quote from a uh, quote from an article that I found. Um, it says it's at least partially response to Nikolai tchernovsky 's novel. What is to be done? In this book, Chernofsky, uh espoused an optimistic confidence in human rationality. He thought that if people could be taught well enough, they would naturally desire what is best for them, and society could continually improve until we reach the utopian existence symbolized by this image of a crystal palace, a perfect building where everyone lives in harmony. Hmm. The same symbolic building shows up in part one of Notes from the Underground, where an underground man vehemently disagrees with Chernofsky. I'm murdering this guy's name. Chern. Chevsky yeah, that's not even better. <laughs> championing the importance of irrationality and free will against the logic and laws of nature. the underground man says that he would hate to live in a crystal palace because he wouldn't be able to stick out his tongue rudely there. Yeah. in other words, he wouldn't be free to indulge his spites and irrational desires. The Crystal Palace thus symbolizes essentially the same thing in Dostoevsky's no- novel as it had in Cs what's called C churn. Uh, it's mm-hmm. novel, a utopian place of purely irrational living uh, in notes from the underground, though, the utopia is denigrated as an impossible dream and one that wouldn't even be desirable if it were possible. I thought this is the the for all mankind thesis, right? Can we build a crystal palace or will
0: some assholes always uh, tear it down? Well, I mean. There we're, People are tearing stuff down, but we've been moving forward for like four seasons, you know. Things have happened, right. but we've always moved forward. So, yeah, I think it's, does... probably, it, it's a thesis, but I think that they're arguing that even if there's trouble, we still move forward and we still go, we still, we got to do. Yeah, and I, I think it's
1: interesting that Dostoevsky gave the Underground Man a very like churlish – you know it's like it's it's hard to map it on one to one because in this case the crystal palace the guys like you know what we're working in the basement of the crystal palace and we're getting uh we're 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 getting screwed over by the people living on the top floors and we would like a little bit more of the equality and utopia yeah. um instead it's like it's it's like, but but yet i feel like the people on earth already see the martians as like oh they just want to stick their thumb at their their tongue out at us they're like, they have no legitimate beefs. They're just trying to be an asshole and try to step in away way of 6 billion people's progress. When, you know, you could just as easily turn that around and be like, well, why don't you pay the 500 people on Mars a little bit more money? If it's 6 billion people's livelihoods riding on it, seems like it's an important job. But they never look, like, it's always just, ah, they're sticking their, th- their tongue out at us.
0: Well, that also brings up an interesting point about Dev's character. Like, what, I mean, what is his motivations here? Because... Ah oh, damn! I had the thought, but I lost it. But you know, what I'm saying like, like he's kind of exploiting the labor too. Like he's, you know, he's not going to give them an equal share of the a- asteroid, right? He's no, going to give them something, I got but it. like, yeah, exactly. So he's being exploitative too. And but what <laughs> is his end game beyond the? Because he said he doesn't want to leave Mars ever. So I guess it's the asteroid who puts in an orbit and he exploits that. But like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he's I like
1: some of these guys like him want like they see human advancement as, you know, and it, it is it's a worthy goal into itself. But like you also right. can't like humanity is made up of individuals and if there's individuals being left out of that in inha- um, advancement, of course, they're going to want to tear down the Crystal Palace because why the fuck do you get to live in a Crystal Palace while I'm living in a hovel, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, real life is hard. Life is hard economics and politics complicated will will we ever be able to get off this rock uh, as brothers and sisters i don't know we'll see what for all mankind has to say uh so danny um meets her spies because that's at the end of that scene uh, marv agrees to activate the KGB right. and cia assets which are two guys uh and danny expresses surprise at them both um but they are committed to to finding out what's going on here in the base
0: yeah, I, I have to admit I I didn't recognize uh, those two guys. I had to I had to go back and make sure they were in the in the show prior to this. But um, yeah. were they? But as you th- did you look yeah. at
1: IMDb? Because like I bet they were. Like, uh, and in fact, I think the KGB guy might have said something in one of those break room debates that we saw. But I didn't recognize the CIA guy at all. Oh, I just had an earthquake out here. That's crazy. Sorry, interrupt. Sorry. Whoa! Did you just have one too, Talitha? I think I just saw Talitha screen. What the fuck? Live earthquake. I'm from the Midwest where our weather's shit and we got tornadoes, but earthquakes, not really a thing. So that was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah,
2: if you see me jump up and run, there's an aftershock. Just letting you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> head get get uh, head head uh, for what are you supposed to be uh under tables or in doorways, I forget what the
2: Uh we, yeah, we, door frames. We, we I only like know to know how to survive tornadoes.
0: <laughs> you know, I'd rather I'd rather have an earthquake than a tornado, honestly, but you know. So, so what what so was it before
1: the earth quaked what, yes. we, what were we saying i i honestly i completely forgot I can roll back to this is a good fucking podcast we made the earth move baby yeah, yeah. i gotta that have when jim's your co-host that's true you <laughs> might have some some questionable star trek opinions
0: but you know what you got us there so thanks b <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're quite welcome um okay so t- oh yeah the guys okay we're trying to figure out if these guys ever appeared again. And yeah, I checked the internet database. The uh, Mike character was in two episodes prior to the season, so they did establish him. Um, I'd be really curious to see actually what he does because mm. I don't know, I I don't recall him at all. Uh, the Russian guy, I think maybe yeah, right. I think he showed up in the um, in the um, the meeting with Dev. I think he might have been visible in that one, but yeah, I, I didn't really recall either these two characters at all.
1: I thought it was funny how you know she's like oh KGB and CIA working together huh and they're like well you know it's like the Apollo Soyuz kind of mm-hmm. you know we're we're ready to be, put our differences aside for the sake of patriotism uh, kind of kinda makes you happy doesn't it just it a tear to your eye it really does it really does and then the the Miles connection gets made she puts him on the Miles Davis which yes. kind of their eyes click and uh, that's bad news for Miles it turns out. And it's what it's interesting that like, you know, here's spy craft in a nutshell, like this KGB spy knows there's a black market. He knows who's running it. He knows all this information, but mm-hmm. they're not going to say anything because then they'd reveal yeah. that they know. Right. It's like, eh, we're just going to keep this in our back pocket. Yeah. Use
0: it. Keep it till you need it.
1: So Kelly goes to her father Ed's quarters to find out where he's at, and uh, she's kind of going over his pictures. Um, she sees a picture of Kelly and Ed uh, holding her over Christmas as a baby. When Ed comes in, and she demands to no. know why are you lying to me? Uh, and and Ed oh. Ed is a little little, little forthcoming.
0: Yeah, like he gets a uh, he gets more forthcoming in, in a subsequent scene. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they cut it in the middle to put this stuff. with the next scene with the, with the commander Ho. Yeah, they, this is the bane of
1: Jim's existence when they start slicing the plot fine for for pacing issues. Because yeah, you're right. the The meat of this happens next scene. Uh, the North Commander, North Korean Commander, examines the elevator and he sees some telltale scratches on yes. a control panel um some, implying some method of illegal access and uh, at the same time miles heads to his next job among intense security they really got this base locked down and he finds the kgb and cia waiting for him yeah they for call an
0: interview they call him up to do like some kind of business and uh and then you know he just they basically go to interrogate him well but- we got a big problem but it's not with their hvac <laughs> Yeah, they do have a big problem. I know, like, it's kind of like, these three, these three scenes are kind of set up a lot of stuff for the next act. But, like, you know, I love, like I said before, I love the Philip Marlowe stuff with, like, you know, he's investigating the elevator, he sees some scratches, and then he gets, you know, goes down. I love that part. Um, you know, the North Korea stuff, I think, is great this episode. Uh, Miles being snatched by the intelligence agents, I mean, that was always going to happen. And then that gets paid off after this scene 18 with uh, Ed and Kelly talking about Ed's motivations
1: yeah and uh, let's get back to Ed so Ed kind of opens up Kelly about his hopes and fears and his dreams for the future Uh, and I love it because at the end she's like well that's great but what the fuck are you doing like you you know (laughs) as I was watching the scene I kind of fell under its spell I'm like wow he's really opening up and they're sharing this emotional and and after they kind of dry their eyes and she hugs him she's like okay now what's really going on and he's like fuck I haven't told, uh, I, I've been this vulnerable. I haven't even said nothing. I thought that was great.
0: No, I, th- I love the scene too. And like, just for all reasons you're talking about, because it adds another dimension of, to Ed's character. I mean, he's that, you know, starts off in season one. as like the top gun kind of like space guy. And he's like mm-hmm. the masculine He's like really tall, broad shoulders. And you know, Ed Baldwin. I mean, that sounds like a hero's name. Doesn't it? Ed Baldwin. Right. It's got that kind of yeah, like very strong. Yeah. Very strong name. And then he just opens up to his kids and says, look, I'm afraid of dying. And not only am I afraid of dying, I'm afraid, the way I'm probably going to die if I get off this base is like everyone else. Just eventually disintegrating and degenerating until I'm just nothing. I can't I can't do that. And so he wants to stay on Mars. And then and you're right. And she's like, okay, that's great. What are you doing up here? And then he kind of gets a little bit of a look and they cut right there. And then I love that button. That was a great scene.
1: It's funny because from ed's perspective you know all the people that he looked up to admired or competed with you think of zeke you think of molly you think of i mean they mentioned gordo they all have already gone out in their blazes of glory right and the only one that's kind of left from the old guard is him and danielle and my my position is i don't think he's ever truly respected danielle he likes her he thinks she's a Mm. good astronaut but he doesn't respect her as like a pilot as a as a, as a risk taker, as a leader. um, So all the people that he's kind of measured up to are all dead and gone and they are like in Valhalla. They all died with right. their boots on. And now he's got the shakes and he's like really worried that he'll – like, you know, Gordo's old man. who is this grizzled Marine, not afraid of anything, and he ends up dying alone in a nursing home, shit in his pants. Like, that is – I mean, honestly, that's terrifying. I I don't think yeah. you have to be <laughs> – I only got to be a hard charging astronaut to be terrified of that fate. That's something that I've been, you know, as I'm getting older, thinking a little bit more of like Jesus. That's oof. How do you how do you avoid that kind of thing? But
0: yeah, I have a couple of friends with their parents dealing with dementia and whatnot, and mm-hmm. you know, we're both of that age where that's these kind of things start start happening to our, our parents. And you look at that, you're like, wow, I I, I don't want that to happen to me at all. Right? Like, you know, your mind is literally going. You don't know any. You don't remember people. You you know get all sorts of horrible like emotional problems happening with that that sounds like a fate worse than death so yeah as a as a person who's getting older i i really appreciate Ed's point of view on this I, you know i don't know if it would cause me to go up to to stay and want to stay on mars because i'm a i'm afraid of flying and b that would that would suck to not yeah. have like live off earth but you know what i mean like I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say there. But basically, yeah, I get it. And I think I buy his motivation. I love he's talking to Kelly about it and being open about it. And again, I love that they just cut it right when, when she asked him directly what he's doing. And I don't know. What do you think? Did she, did, he, did he tell her?
1: Uh, does Ed Baldwin level with his daughter about the theft of a $10 trillion asteroid? in a moment of one emotional racks. vulnerability yeah i i'm gonna say no but they definitely got me like with the with his emotionality and the look at his face and how he you know, he's like shit i can't get out of this i'm either gonna have to double down and tell the big lie or i'm gonna have to come clean and then who knows what's gonna happen uh boy they they, they engineer so well that that it's, it's very like 50, 50, but I kind of think that no, he probably didn't.
0: See, I think that he did for the reason you're talking about. He seems like he's vulnerable and he's trying to be a stand up guy to his daughter. And she asked him directly. I don't know. I can see, I think that he tells her, I think he tells her maybe not all the aspects of it, but it's tried to tell her. Yeah. Dev and I are trying to secure the future of the Mars base by ha- handling the asteroid. You know, I think he tries to sell. I think he's, Itself servingly like that but i think he tells her i want to i wasn't going to do this but like it's
1: it feels like we got served up we're talking about our friends getting older and whatnot but uh because it's funny because my grand i I lost my granddad had alzheimer's and it was a rough situation and my sister and i have been talking the past year about how we're getting concerned for our father and my father just last week asked me if i would order him some memory supplements off of Amazon I'm like oh Jesus and uh it's a shit it's a shit you know uh yeah. Alzheimer's and other memory cognitive uh diseases are terrible and we are just a month out from our annual Groundhog Day marathon Jim and I started about seven years ago I think um we watched the movie Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day for 24 hours to raise money this and we've been doing it for the Curals Foundation, the Curals Fund, Curals.org mm-hmm. for the last, I think, four years. And this year on Groundhog Day, starting on noon on Groundhog Day, we're going to watch all of the Spider Man films, all oh. of the Maguires, all of the Hollands, all of the Garfields, and the two Miles Morales uh, for 24 hours to raise money. Uh, for Cure Owls. We're going to have some people joining us. It's going to be a great time. In fact, B. B- Michael, if you want to stop by at some point and uh, say hi, we would, uh, we would accept that. Uh, it happens on twitch.tv slash baldmove. Again, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. If uh, you have some family or friends that have been touched by Alzheimer's and you want to support a char- charity where 100% of your donations goes to support the cure, check it out now this has got the old last year's information groundhog.baldmove.com but we will be updating we probably already already updated it but Jim's been sick uh, it will be updated probably within the next week with all the new information uh, the, the exact movie schedule and all that stuff The link where you can donate um, but but yeah we raised just under 25 grand last year we're going to try to break the record this year so yeah it's, uh, I just want to take time out It's we're, we're a month out and do a little bit of charity promo here groundhog.baldmove.com um, so I was surprised to see how tall miles stood under the interrogation. Um, you know, yeah. of these, this, the, these guys, like they're asking some pointed questions and I think he's got some pretty good answers until the fists come out.
0: That's well, it's true how it goes. You know, everyone's got a plan to get hit in the face. You know, that's a <laughs> great Ali Mike said. Tyson quote. Yep. Yep. Was, it, was that Mike Tyson's Muhammad Ali? That's Mike I Tyson. Thought was right. Mike. I thought it was Mike Tyson said, yeah, everybody's got a plan until you get, you get, you get hit punched in the, in the mouth. Yeah, Ali said a lot of greater things. We'll go with this one to Tyson. Um, but yeah, he was, you know, until they put the pressure on. He's he's you know he's he's pretty uh pretty cool character. You know, cool on Luke kind of guy and. And it, it does make them. sense,
1: right? Like He's saying yeah. to them the same thing he said to Ed and Dev when they came to him. Like, look, I do foot cream. I do mouthwash. I do things to make, you know, it's like, yeah, I get it's illegal, but I'm just trying to help people out, and <laughs> why would I risk that for, and for why? Why would I steal all this equipment? And, you know, he thinks he's dealing with the cops, and he's dealing with the spooks uh, from the CIA and the KGB,
0: and uh, turns out they'll just beat your ass. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, watching this, I'm like, I get caught by the CIA. I don't know. I didn't do anything. with The CIA it would be interested in me, but like you know, if, is, if the intelligence operatives ever get my hands on me, I am rolling immediately. I do not yeah. care because they will mess you up. And I'm not waiting for them to get the no. sodium pentothal
1: out and the 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 tools or be be rendered extraordinarily rendered to fucking Egypt so they yeah. can string. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's just yeah. I'm not. Yeah, uh, especially when you you'd have to hold out for forty eight hours.
0: Maybe if it's 15 minutes, but, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just long enough to... But I don't know. Even 15 minutes might piss them off. So, like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to spill my guts immediately. Are we going to CIA? All right, what do you want to know? I got notes. I have recordings. Yeah. What do you got? What do you want? And I
1: love how the official narrative has already gone from these guys were striking workers and the scabs that were oh, trying yeah, to union that- bust got themselves set on fire to now they're terrorists and you burnt my, my friend into a spacesuit. and you... And it's a uh, pretty ugly business.
0: Yeah, I thought that was an interesting switch. That probably was intentional to kind of put him off guard. Because if he's, if he's being, like, you know, rattle, for his black market stuff, I mean, you change tactics, and you can give him that kind of imagery in your head. It could you kind of a, a little yeah. more pliable, I think.
1: So we got the North Co- Korean commander's uh, film noir scene where he's exploring <laughs> the restricted Martian basements and he hears some low voices
0: talking. Chaos ensues. <laughs> chaos doesn't sue and then he gets hit in the head uh, by Lee and um I kind of I don't know I'm thinking about it is Lee I thought the North Koreans catch to themselves or they just have access to any place in the base because they just come and go as they please well Um, I
1: think they've probably got access to the common areas and clearly there's some kind of fiddly thing on this control panel so I'm guessing that he's like yeah they don't have access to this area either so he just exploits whatever they're doing um but uh i uh i thought uh, what i love about this is how it just got out of hand so quickly it goes yeah. from like him just probably you know i don't uh, you know like listening to him being discovered by i guess lee followed him down there because he's trying to protect his access to his wife right. and it just it just like you know ron burgundy says wow that escalated quickly uh command Cho, Cho's dead Lee lee tried oh. into him
0: well, let me ask you this: speculate—is he dead, or is he, or is he, is he just uh, knocked out? And what happens to the, what happens next with that?
1: Like I said, they didn't—they didn't have the spine snapping sound, yeah. so I can't say conclusively. But I do think that in Hollywood terms, uh, holding someone's neck until they pass out means they're dead. That's not how it works in real life, No. but it is how it works in Hollywood. So I'm guessing—I'm guessing he's dead. I don't so, know what the. The only reason, I guess, to keep Cho alive is to, I guess, add an extra complication because they have to have this guy hostage while they're trying to steal the asteroid. But him
0: being dead is a pretty big complication. Yeah, he's being dead's a pretty complication, but it's easier to deal with. You just throw him out the airlock or something.
1: True, yeah. but now you got the whole North Korean wing wondering where the hell their commanders go. And, you know, they're going it's to, it's just another, it's more pressure and scrutiny that this pirate operation doesn't need, right?
0: absolutely it's that's why i'm leaning towards he's alive because mm-hmm. then you got to keep him on ice while you're trying to do all the uh all the, all it the, is all slightly the more day. interesting yeah
1: and you've got this guy's kind of trying because that's the other thing is like keeping a human being captive in like an ad hoc way is surprisingly difficult we're very smart monkeys we yeah, got opposable thumbs we can undo knots we can i was in trouble
0: with it i'm kidding <laughs>
1: <laughs> we I'm, we can sure. we can appeal to our fellow monkeys for the sympathy and that kind of yeah. works there's a lot of psychology it's it, yeah it's hard you have to you have to have big concrete and steel facilities to store human beings in any kind of reliability reliable way and they still escape even, even or really then, good so. really good broadband you know? true yeah yeah you don't need to if you need me to stay put just yeah give me some video okay. games order me we're, some pizza i'll chill out for 48 hours no problem
0: We'll keep uh, Ka- Commander Ho on ice with uh, some Battlestar Galactica Blu-rays and uh, some pizza.
1: <laughs> uh, Danny can start him on
0: MASH and Star Trek. I'm saying, man. Well, M- yeah, MASH is uh, MASH will do it. All right. Well, no, they wouldn't want to use MASH because that's the Korean War. Yeah, but probably... it's kind of
1: sympathetic. Like I, yeah. you know, like I guess if he watched the full thing, he might be. But yeah, you're probably wrong. They're North Koreans. That'd be that'd be some imperial propaganda. Yeah, he
0: he just inflame him more. You know, he'll go want to get that Hawkeye guy. <laughs> uh, so we're in the they we're in the, the the final
1: stretch here, and Sergei yep. uh, retires to his motel room with some takeout McDonald's, and he's going to have a virtual date with Margot, who's re- retiring to her hotel room to enjoy For a ketchup a, sandwich. A, oh my God! I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you noticed the the amount of ketchup. She's my. like, well, they gave. They gave me a mini bottle, so
0: I guess I can use it all. Holy hell! Like like you guys were saying last episode, that those hamburgers look nasty, you know. And that's and I don't know that much ketchup's gonna fix it. It might make it worse, you know. Yeah, I think
1: that um, I, I understand Margot because of all she's had is like you yeah. know pierogi and borscht for eight years. then any hamburger is gonna taste like heaven. But Sergey, what the hell's your excuse? You've been living in Iowa,
0: you yeah. know. They they beef have the corn there. capital
1: of the world exactly lots of it. Actually, Iowa's uh, top uh, export is the soybeans. It's not corn, but um, you know what? That actually tracks. I'm from Indiana, and they all talk about the corn, but
0: in in, in my hometown, it was it was beans, lots of beans. But here's the thing, though, gonna a little nitpicky here, but uh, you don't put ketchup on a Big Mac, right? Fast food burgers are single autonomous units. You just eat them as is yes they're a they're
1: a unit of food they don't yes. they don't need embellishing they don't need v- implements that's they that's yeah they're like almost especially like big Macs are a little messier, but like the whole charm of a McDonald's sandwich like a hamburgers that- is they're sealed you essentially just pull it out eat it in the car and you're gonna get shit all over you uh like uh, that's a burrito a of
0: hamburgers. I'm gonna say, as a Californian, I'd really hate it if my last meal was a Big Mac. It had to be In-N-Out Burger. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll get shot in the head by a Soviet operative I can have some In-N-Out Burger right before. But he never got to eat the burger either before it takes a bite. You know, bullet to the head. You fucking West Coast people with your In-N-Outs, I'm so jealous. I'd put up with the earthquakes just
1: to get In-N-Out because it's uh, every I'll time I go. sometime, man. We're going out. I do every time I was just I I was delighted I was in Salt Lake City this year uh, for travel I was delighted that they had an in and out next to the airport I'm like oh my god this is an unexpected the the, the Mormons are doing something right they got in and out <laughs> a lot of people um, in
0: Texas say waterburger is the case but no it's in and no, no, out Sorry, they're no they're
1: wrong no yeah, they're Waterburger wrong. is just bullshit White Castle or yeah. is that Crystal Burger? I, I get confused, but I, I've had both Crystal and burger. It is, no, I'm not jealous of any. I'm only, the only fast food chain I'm jealous of not having in the Midwest is In N Out.
0: See, we we, ha- we differ on Star Trek, but we agree on In N Out. There you we, go. We brought it back, Aaron. But uh, we, okay, we so on, on, a, on a serious note about this, I was a little, this might, this actually is a, a little nitpicky, I think, but I, it does kind of bother me. The angle of the bullet in Sergei's head is like right on his temple, right? Mm-hmm. So where did this guy come from? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like like the Sopranos when they blow Tony's head off, the dude's be from behind. So we get that, right? Uh-huh, but this uh-huh. is right on the side. So did he not have peripheral vision? I mean, a Big Mac is good, it's not that good.
1: The only thing I can think of is they got the Duke Ellington blaring cuz that's the other thing. How the hell he That was do that was that
0: wasn't him. He oh, I sorry. thought they were
1: both listening. I thought that I that was the whole idea that they're having like a virtual date. So, but if, if this so this goes triple what I'm about to say. Even mm-hmm. with Duke, like I can barely. This is not a hotel room that opens up into a quiet, uh, a uh, hallway. This is a this is a motel. It right. opens up into the fucking outdoors. How the hell Sergey wasn't a, a, aware of someone opening up his door, unless the guy was in the bathroom. That's Maybe the guy said, had gotten yeah. there. So okay, he's there first and he comes up from behind and takes the pistol. I, I don't know. I guess I can It's 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 certainly not the biggest pill I've had to swallow no. on this season. No. It just kind of do bothered think, me when I was watching again. Yeah. Do you think that they were foreshadowing his brains getting blown out? By all the ketchup that Margot is using, is that the reason she used all that ketchup? Because it mirrored the
0: the amount of brain material that got splattered over that lamp. I mean, that's a pretty nasty reason, or that's a pretty that's kind of nasty. I don't know if I want to think about it, but maybe I, a thought occurred to me too. Like you know, but because yeah, my like my the... blood's basically ketchup, so I mean, it makes sense, right?
1: <laughs> they got the or they got the oranges uh, like in Godfather. <laughs> Godfather's got the oranges. They got their mini Heinz ketchup bottles. Oh my god, that was such uh, an a, absurd amount of ketchup on that burger. Anyway. Um uh, my takeaway aside from to catch up is this is what happens when you stay to days in, man. Like, come on. Come <laughs> on. The the Hamptons just down the road. Yeah, it's a hundred dollars more, Sergey, but what? Well, you're you're about to run you're about to run to Brazil with your, your dream woman, you know?
0: What the yeah, heck? You, you never you never I do not understand motels for this various reason. Like I've seen too many movies where bad stuff happens in motels. I'm always like, you know, a hotel with a lobby and like, you know, doors always and whatnot.
1: I almost feel like it's like, what am I? Cause like, I kind of wanted to belabor the point, but like, honestly, because I imagine people like, well, how did they try? It's like, I have no questions. Like this was, they have been so sloppy and so careless that mm-hmm. this actually just made perfect sense.
0: You know? I actually went back and looked at this as Margo's KGB handler. Cause I thought maybe it was kind of similar. It, it wasn't, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, they've been so, they've been so messy, you know, like how, yeah. I don't know. I, it, it makes me wonder what's going to happen to Margot. I mean, do you think? Do you think she gets out of the season alive, or do you think uh, the KGB, KGB takes her out?
1: The thing is, does this show have the balls to completely clean out the old guard? Because I, or maybe they're setting things up with Edward. He will be the old man. He will be the survivor. He will be the eighty-year-old geriatric guy that is dying in a nursing home. Shit, maybe. But like, if they do kill Danny and Margot. Who's left? Like, I mean, a lady I guess, but she was just a little like she. They, she was just a seed to be planted to be harvested in season two. Like, I. It, it seems crazy to clean out of everybody. Like, you have right. no one from season one that had a big part left in the series if you kill all of them. So it's like, and also, what would the the point of Margot dying? Because like to me, the point of Margot yeah. is being forced to deal with her existence. Um, but that's you know that's like a that's a narrative
0: point. It's not like a factual
1: one. Uh, I was gonna say,
0: um, what what are their contract? You know what are their contract information? Like who who's uh, Who's up for, again? The, the, I you mean, know? it's
1: it's yeah, going into year five, maybe uh, may, maybe it's going to be expensive to sign sign but, Rin Schmidt
0: and Kinnaman and
1: Chris Marshall. They, the know.
0: asteroid's gonna slam in Happy Valley. It's gonna take them all out. Cod. Yeah, and, and flies and maybe Margo... I don't think they kill all three. I think I think you can
1: kill no, Danny right. or Ed or Margot, and Margot thematically probably makes the most sense. But my heart says I hope Dan Danielle makes it out.
0: Uh, my um, my storyteller training tells me that it's going to be Danny and it's gonna, Ed and Margot to make it out. But to well. you, here's to your point though. Something, man, It's like this is supposed to be a seven you know a seven season show, mm-hmm. right? So we're on mm-hmm. season five next. They do about ten years each season how long does how much longer does ed have anyway
1: yeah no you're you're 100 right i know me and j- jim have j- joked about like maybe he'll have a medical advance and that he can be like you know in the first You remember in the first episode of tng that they had uh, what's heavily implied to be admiral mccoy yeah and he's like 145 mean. years old and he looks like a ferengi and and he's <laughs> he's busting data's chops and talking about being afraid of the teleporter i i i i could almost see a guy like ed living on mars with med- advanced medical but like yeah i mean it, with seven seasons they're gonna have to rip off the band-aid but I mean, i'm just saying like who is who who carries forward the torch next year because i don't give a shit I, I mean if i don't give a shit about miles i like aleda aleda that's that's a pillar you can build on i like yeah, will yeah. i liked will the, the gay astronaut from last season but they he's kind of been very background they haven't really developed him uh kelly
0: dev is that what we're going to build the the new show around i could see dev i could see um you know it's by extension kelly um aleda. is it aleda? am i pronouncing her name wrong aleda i think it's aleda, aleda. aleda yeah i'm terrible with names um but aleda, i can see that too she kind of moves into the margo you know space position that she occupied mm-hmm. in um in a couple of seasons They've been positioning her for that for a while yeah yeah so i could see that i mean there's no on. there's no
1: astronauts we we have no, no astronaut like mate Sam Massey like she's kind of been a nothing character too so like I I do have concerns of where like as as much as I'm invested in the story um of like general like how humanity gets out of the into the 21st century I I don't see where because this show is like it's it's been re- its real gift is like they had these really strong characters and right. you were there from the beginning with them and I. I've been worried all season long. It's like, where are the new characters that they're bringing along? And I can see like, there was a kind of a Russian, Aleda that you remember her, the one that was um, upset that her, her mentor got killed by the KGB. Um, Maybe they could make something out of her. They've got, um, yeah, like I said, will, but like, I, I don't really see the, the, the astronauts, but maybe that's the point is like NASA and having astronauts and cosmonauts will be a lot less important. You know, they're going to be kind of the say, truck drivers
0: of the it's future. It's probably going to be less... Because you think about the early couple of seasons, you got those steely-eyed missile men and whatnot. Well, it's not about that anymore. Yep. It's about the commercialization of space and how, you know, if we want to go forward, it's going to be about, you know, it's going be taking our own bullshit with us. You know, I think you said the capitalist systems and whatnot, you know, people on the top, people on the bottom, how are we going to work this out? And that's where the drama is going to come from. Like, how do we deal with this? these same problems on Earth that now we have in space? Or rather, the problems we had on Earth are now in space how do we deal with this? And it's almost like a, of things we're going to be doing in the subsequent seasons are going to be like a backdrop. Like yeah. this show, this season has been a lot about like, you know, classes and um and not class warfare, but you know what I mean? And, but it's also, t- it takes place on Mars and that's kind of a backdrop. And the only, the asteroids kind of become important the last few episodes where in the middle of the season. It was all about the class, the classes and strikes and who was who and who does what and who, who's responsible for what. So, like, next season I am bet it's probably going to be about asteroid mining because that's the next logical step in our space program. So we have the same kind of thing, you know? We have problems on Earth. There are not going to be problems in space. How do we deal with them? Same way, poorly, usually. And that's, that's where I see it going.
1: We'll be back right after this spacewalk. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the
2: Dragon season two, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a
1: watch of each episode of Hot D season one. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R.R. Martin's historical tome,
2: Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead.
1: House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until
2: then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't the joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out
1: support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Strap in, we're diving into more for all mankind. All right, any, any other observations of the episode? Or are we ready to get to some feedback?
0: Um, I, I said all my piece on it, I think.
1: All right. Well, feedback you can send it into FAM. That stands for For All Mankind. FAM at BaldMove.com. Of course, if you're looking for what else we're covering, uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff. True Detective, I know is the yeah. only thing I, I I know that we're going to be doing in January. But there's, I know the Rick and Michonne spinoff, The Walking Dead, we're excited about in February. There's a, the Three Body Problem, I think in March. We're considering maybe doing Shogun. Uh, There's a lot a lot of irons in the fire. But like I said, we normally spend the first week or two of the new year figuring out what our new year is going to be. And and Jim Jim got covid. So we're we're. uh, (laughs) But my point is, if you want to find out, if you want to know, you should follow us on social medias. We're at bald move everywhere except for TikTok. We're at baldest move there. Um, Carl is up first says, in episode six, when Margot tried to defend herself for defecting, uh, Alayda responded by talking about all the people who were at their posts during the bombing. It was a great scene. You guys interpreted this as point pointed out uh, how Margot walked off when other people stuck with it. I felt like Alayda was more directly putting their deaths on Margot. Is it possible that Alayda thinks the Russians somehow planned the bombing so they could disappear Margot without questions? And if so, is she right? Was Russia behind the bombing or at least aware of it? During all the Jimmy stuff last season, I only saw domestic terrorists on screen, but some of the things I read about the Cold War, CIA, and KGB involvement in domestic organizations make it seem plausible. Some of the recently declassified stuff between Lee Harvey Oswald's various groups, for example, show a very fuzzy line between dissidents and government agencies. Without the bombing, I don't understand the plan for defection. If Margot had just disappeared out of the Johnson Space Center in the middle of the Martian baby crisis, it would have presumably been international news having Margaret uh, Margaret Reynolds appear in a bakery in Moscow a few weeks later couldn't have worked, right? So I got a surprising amount of email over the break of people making, there's like four or five people making the same point. Was Johnson Space Center a Russian plot, or did they know about the plot and use it as cover to abduct um, Margo?
0: Do you have any gut
1: feelings about
0: that, B-Michael? I think... I think that's probably um, the latter. What you're saying. I think if, if anything, they if they were aware of it, they didn't care. You know, I, I like yeah. I like the plot about what they're saying about domestic terrorists and whatnot because we do have we do have domestic terrorists in America. They do do mm-hmm. bomb things, especially government buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and so I don't think that the USSR was involved in that particular plot because you know it was a bunch of angry like. Young adults, but I think if they knew anything about it, they probably didn't want care to stop it. Um, and you know, I don't know, as as is it used for cover for Margo, you know, people disappear all the time, so that's yeah, right. That because so here's
1: the like my take on this is the same with every kind of broad conspiracy theory is like, where's the evidence, like, yeah. You know, um, did do you think the CIA faked some big explosion in Russia when they got Sergei or did they just get him out and Russia's like, fuck, where'd Sergei go? Like, I think it's yeah. the latter. But if you're a you know, Russian watching for all mankind and want to think, oh, I bet CIA did this or that. I think I don't know. Like, because yeah, it, it definitely is plausible that it could happen. But I feel like even in real life, like you can pull off a conspiracy in the short term but yeah. over a 10 year period of time no fucking shot does not all the dirty laundry eventually trickle out and come out like i yeah so i i would have to see more evidence um i think it's more plausible the russians had information about the bombing and they maybe scheduled it to take advantage but like man the timing that they yeah. know cuz this was a cell phone bomb that the guy triggered like manually they They some really fucking tight timing if it was intentional. You know what I mean? And and timing out of their control, by the way.
0: Yeah. So I don't think the Russians were involved. I think if anything, if, if the most they probably was they knew about and just didn't figure they could use it to their advantage. All right. Next up is Eric, who's a resident NASA guy.
1: He says, I know a little something about the DART mission because I was at the launch. See attached photo. This stud took a picture of himself in front of this fucking rocket. Um, he says there's no fucking way we would intentionally redirect a potentially hazardous object towards Earth even with Dart we carefully selected a target asteroid to ensure there's absolutely no risk to Earth by running the redirection test in addition the size of Goldilocks asteroid is more than six times the diameter of Dimorphos the one Dart intercepted plus since it's metal rich it's likely orders of magnitude more massive than Dimorphos As such, a kinetic impactor like DART is not a viable option. A nuclear proximity detonation to deflect the asteroid is probably the only credible way to change its trajectory. That technique has not only never been tested, but introduces so much uncertainty that it would be impossible to predict with any precision where it would go. These redirection techniques have been developed to push an object away from Earth, so the uncertainty of how much it moves is not so much of an issue as it would be if you wanted to direct it to a specific location." Uh, for those interested in f- learning more about Trojan asteroids, follow the NASA Lucy mission, which just did a flyby of the main belt asteroid on its way out to the Trojans. And one last, by the way, item, the James Webb Telescope does have the capacity to image bright objects in our solar system using its near-infrared camera. It's already imaged Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. And here's the NASA blog post on the Jupiter images. That, so that last is me and Jim question whether... Because they, they have the the analog of the James Webb Telescope uh, detecting the asteroid in the first place. We're like why the, how, that's not what it's designed for, but apparently it can it can do a bang up job of that too. Um,
0: I've got pictures of Uranus, so I can do anything.
1: Uh, ah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I joke. So I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think there's been some fast and loose, sci- fast and loose science facts this season, and obviously they're not doing a kinetic interceptor; they're doing a giant starship with ion drives to do mm-hmm. this thing. So, but I, the fact that no one is mentioned, like I just need some NASA engineer being like, we got to make damn sure we're careful with these calculations because you know uh, an orbit of earth could easily be an impact with earth to, to, cuz like what, it's almost like they don't even think about it and that's what's wild to me
0: yeah i, I while you're reading the letter it says picture in my mind of like everything going wrong and the and the, the asteroid hitting earth through its extinction level event and all they have now is a mars colony and that's the show from now on dude <laughs> i mean that would when, be
1: interesting
0: that, that that would be that would be a that would be a baller move on uh, on behalf of Mr. Moore it's, it's terminated all of humanity except what's on mars i actually looked it
1: up early on and i think this asteroid would not exactly be a planet killer it's more of like what you would call a continent killer you know like it would mm-hmm. like if it landed in north america it would devastate the entire but like the other side of earth would be quote unquote you know after 6 months of nuclear winter or so be fine It would be interesting to have, like, a very weakened Earth and a Mars colony, and now suddenly they're on even... Because that's, like... Yeah, you guys might be onto something, because the whole point of this show is two sides in a conflict. Unless they're at rough parity, things stagnate and decline. And, you know, you you have to have crisis situations to give humanity... the show humanity at their best. So maybe whacking Earth, taking out half its population and severely weakening it and putting it on par with Mars
0: is an interesting way for the story oh, to go they, forward. They can't do that. They're not doing that. But, uh,
1: you don't think so? They're not? the yeah, okay.
0: I mean, that's... I'm that's skeptical. pretty, pretty ballsy. That'd but I'm funny. also the
1: guy, I think I'm one of the first guys that said, hey, what if? So I'm a, maybe I'm a little bit more sympathetic to it. <laughs>
0: That'd be hilarious, though. The, the, the end of episode 10 is like, you know, Earth's devastated and uh, Dev's been as off as like, oops, maybe we shouldn't have done that.
1: Uh, Andy said, so a initial proposed investing $2 trillion today for $20 trillion in 40 years is idiotic. It corresponds to about a 6% rate of return for something massively risky and complex. That's worse than just investing in the stock market index fund. Maybe she's an engineer that doesn't know shit about investing, but I mean, you'd hope Dev would know better. I guess it's a moot point since they're tugging the asteroid to Earth, but still, so dumb. I can see why Helios board was not a fan of Dev. I so look. I know even less about economics than I do rocket science, but I wonder if you like account for inflation and the fact that this is a raw material that's extremely rare on Earth and having it be abundant would open up economic. Econ- it's not like like stock market where it's like you got a little bit of money and then you've got more money in the future. This is like discovering you know I don't know I see yeah, I can't I can't even I don't know economics enough to even make the analogy but it, it's like is it when you talk about the inflation and we talk about the raw material and the fact that it would open up technology that we don't have access to
0: is that still true I don't know I would think partially because I was trying to figure this out too because like you know I don't really have a background in economics I know a little bit enough to get me into fights on the internet but like wouldn't demand when you have all sorts of new raw material come in? demand would or supply would be so great that the prices would drop which means you would have even less of return on your investment because now it's common right iridium is is expensive and valuable because it's rare but if it's not rare anymore well how how valuable is it you see what i'm saying but what what industry opens up if you have
1: cheap iridium because right now you only use it on things that's like oh my god you got to You know, it's like I I mentioned last episode, is the reason that we have cars that can go 100,000 miles between tune ups is because they now coat the tips of the spark plugs with iridium so they don't, you know, get blasted apart by electric discharge. So, that's true. It's hard. It's hard. It's like, you know, uh, space costs a lot of money, but you get tang and Velcro out of it. And where would we be (laughs) without, you know, it's like, I, I don't know how to make those arguments, but I thought the show was pretty realistic about Earth being like, yeah, 40 trillion and. 40, or 10 trillion to 40
0: years, fuck that. Yeah, that was real stick. Yeah. Well, uh, Maurice. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Did you have something else? I was going to say Hollywood writers. I mean, I love them. I know a bunch of them. They don't know anything about finance and economics either. That's why they're Hollywood writers and not work in the stock market. You know, right. no offense to my boys out there, but, you know. But, yeah, you're right. The return of the investment argument is actually correct from what I understand.
1: Maurice regarding crossing the picket line says, in regards to the strike, I think... Given the magnitude of what they're doing and what and where they are, I think it's criminal. I'm all for workers' rights, but uh-oh, we're uh-huh. talking about an asteroid that could potentially make or break humanity. This is not widget building, manufacturing plant in the middle of nowhere, name a state. I th- um, uh, let's let's talk take that first because I I have I have a take. What's okay. your take?
0: The on whether or not whether it's appropriate for them to be striking. Yes. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, are they, to are, the... yeah. Well, are they, are they right
1: them. to stand in the way of
0: six billion people progressing? What other leverage do they have? The whole point of a strike is to create as much pain as possible on the on the, on the party you're trying to negotiate with, so that they negotiate more favorable terms to you. That's what we saw, with the writers and actors strike out in Hollywood here this, earlier this year, right? Yeah. these guys have no leverage, really, none. They're on a planet that's far away from home, and they can they really have no control over what they're doing. So the best time to strike is when they have that kind of leverage with the asteroid program happening. So I would get parties to the table, get them to make deals, and get things going because it's imperative for this thing to to happen. So management has to cooperate on some degree.
1: Yeah, I like the inst- instance like this, turn the telescope or the microscope in the other direction and be like, what right does Helios and Russia and America have to stiff these workers? when there's so much advancement to be made like you yeah. could pay these guys 10 times what they're making now and they would all be over the moon you could probably just double their salary quadruple their salary they would be over to moon and instantly go g- gleefully to work even though they're still being ripped off yeah. because if they kept the asteroid for themselves they're talking about a billion more times than they're going to be making over their right. lifetimes right so they're yeah. still getting fucked but they would be happy to do it so why don't they just do that Why, why do they send astronauts crawling through tunnels to set themselves on fire rather than pay these, these 500 workers another couple hundred thousand dollars? That's, that's, that's why I, that's the morality that I see. But I understand not everyone sees it that way, which is why we have all the problems we do. But like, I just don't understand how you can't just turn who's got like, who's really got the power, you know? Uh it, it'd it be one thing if they're asking for that. I think that's something that Dev made. Like, it'd be one thing if they're asking for something impossible. Like, they wanted unicorns, and we're going to blow up the world unless we get unicorns. Right. They're wanting more money and better yeah. benefits. So give so it to I'll,
0: them. I'll and then Earth can progress. To. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I I I agree with you. You and
1: I are simpatico on this thought front. Yeah. Uh Maurice also wants to know if the show's being renewed. I want to see where this all goes. I think I would be shocked if Apple cans yeah. this. Um, because they do have a commitment to, especially it seems like they're science fiction stuff, but yeah. it's, I haven't heard any confirmations and we probably won't get one until after the season. So let's just cross our fingers and hope. I um, mean,
0: that's it, Maybe It's the five, maybe Ronald Moore's done. He's going to destroy the earth, put everyone on Mars and that's it. Wipe his hands <laughs> clean. Uh,
1: Fred K says, what would be easier than mining the asteroid in earth orbit or, or wait, what would be easier than mining the asteroid in Earth orbit or in Mars orbit? Crashing it into Mars and mining into the ground. That would give the image of the guy in a spacesuit with a pickaxe more relevance, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is... You, you already mentioned this. this. This is another popular theory that we'll be dealing with in feedback. The idea that you're going to crash the asteroid into Mars. That this is the ultimate cynical play by Dev. That he's going to crash it into Mars and reap all the profits. Fuck your orbital mining. Because that's the thing... It's unclear to me how Mars would exploit the asteroid without
0: Earth's help, and yeah, like, they would have, yeah, uh, they would—they would have to create an entire different infrastructure. That's just put yeah. like, a space elevator up there. They'd have to, move, you know, and that's that a problem. That's why it's so expensive. That's why the, the government's balked at this because in order to to get to use this asteroid, they had to create entirely new ships, new everything to kind of for it to happen. So yeah, no, I don't. It's easier to crash it on the surface and mine it that way. I agree. Um, He also
1: says also what happened to Ed's mustache glue in this episode. Maybe just he had more close ups or he was crying and that we could. But like, yeah, I mean, Ed's makeup has been kind of touch and go this whole season. Um, Alex from San Diego had similar thoughts to Fred he says I feel this sudden heel turned by Dev regarding the stealing the asteroid is masking his true plan I think he's done the calculations and added more time to the burn that would be needed I think he intends, intends to crash it into Mars to prevent any remote chance the M7 gets their hands on it where you might ask into the crater where Kelly's doing her research uh-huh. not only would the crater localize the iridium but the crater rim could serve as a wide base of operations as there is water at the site the writers have set this up perfectly, establishing the crater is more uh, than six thousand kilometers from Happy Valley. Next week, we get the heist with the impact, and the finale shows Kelly and her team trying to escape the fallout.
0: It's interesting, Holy too. Holy
1: shit, that would be dark from Kelly's perspective.
0: Also, uh, yeah, I was gonna say because they they might have discovered life, and then Dev exterminates life
1: just to enrich himself. Yeah, because you're talking about the the technology, like. It might take Mars 200 years to realize the asteroid game without right. any help from Earth. And they'd have to keep, you know, the Marines from coming this whole time. Whereas if you crash into the ground, fuck you, it's Mars now. No one's getting it out now. <laughs> so I, I'm i very nervous that this is exactly what's going to happen. Now, Actually, yeah. I don't know if yeah. the space geology works out that way. If you crash an asteroid into a 20-mile crater does it contain it does the water get blasted out i mean i I honestly don't know and at this point i don't know the showrunners know or care either so uh i'm I'm very nervous that this might actually be what because i do think dev's not being fully honest with all of his
0: compatriots here no i agree yeah yeah Um, that's that's interesting okay sorry go on We'll, we'll move on that's just an interesting idea
1: um let's see Uh, a Wookiee says, listening to your coverage of episode eight, you mentioned the writers and actors strike and how odd it was to have the strike break so easily in your show and being done so sloppily being as this airing now, doesn't that mean that this was all written and filmed prior to the actors, uh, and writers strike. Yes. Oh, for sure. And I, I don't think I was saying that, like, isn't it funny that they're writing this as they're striking? It's more of like, isn't it ironic how they're writing about how the workers get fucked over by management and have no recourse and they get ran stupid. And there's no solidarity when in just months they would pr- be participating of the largest uh, u- uh, labor strikes in Hollywood and essentially break the studios. It's just like, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, it's
0: like a lot of type of irony. God, I was—I grew up in the '90s. I have no idea what irony actually means anymore. Is it ironic? <laughs> I think we've worn it out. I think
1: I said this ten years ago on a Bold move podcast. I think we're ready for a sincerity age. Like we I, I kind of think—I I, I think we need to just fuck all this irony and ironic detachment and just just be sincere. Just just be Mister Rogers in 21st century. Okay.
0: I think that uh, I think that already happened to the millennials because the Gen Zers are really detached and weird now. Yeah, but they haven't gotten old yet, so we'll see.
1: Oh. Oh. Uh, if,
0: Dev, if Dev slams the asteroid in America, they're not going to get old. <laughs>
1: That's true. He's shooting for the Korolov crater, and he, he hits Texas. Um, <laughs> killing, I hope. Tommy O says, I wonder if you could help me understand a few things about the asteroid planet's cost. Well, we've established that we're economic geniuses, so we'll see if we yes. can help out, Tommy. It stated <laughs> they would need one trillion to mine the asteroid at Mars and be a decade before the nation states recover their cost. Obviously it doesn't cost a trillion to capture it, so even if the nation states didn't want to pony up the mining rights, wouldn't they still have wanted to capture it into Mars orbit instead of deciding it would be better to let it escape? At least then they could always fund mining in the future. Let's say Dev, Ed, and Sam pull this off and safely have the asteroid orbiting Mars. Couldn't Earth just reaccelerate it to leave orbit and send it back towards Earth? Um, So there's two things here. I think the idea that Earth would spend a trillion dollars to park the asteroid on Mars, maybe sort of kind of doing something with the future does not. I don't think the way they've laid out how the nation states look at that, that would that's like that's that's the plan with less sure of a payoff. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. And then as far as like, I do think you're on to something about parking it in the Mars orbit. They could always just unpark it, but they're also implying that this is kind of a unique kind of like, The Voyager mission, the grand tour of the solar system that Mm -hmm. they took in the 80s, that was a a once-in-a-generation opportunity to do that because the Delta V required to visit all those planets without the complicated slingshot systems that they used to actually out-accelerate the first Voyager program. Those alignment of planets wasn't going to happen for another 100 years or so. So Mm. that is a space thing that every once in a while... If you squint and do the calculations, you can cheat the shit out of that Delta V if you have enough gravity slingshots. But those planets are not, you know, it's like a video game. It's not like you can just go to Mars and slingshot to Jupiter every single time. And I think they've, they have successfully t- convinced me that that's this case, that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. They get a $20 trillion windfall for Earth and If they even wait six months, it won't be available anymore. So I think that's what you're supposed to understand that like, okay, they got in Mars orbit, but who the hell's got the Delta V to get that into a trans earth trajectory, you know, in the next decades, like, you know, their fusion things just aren't going to do it. So does that track with you B?
0: Yeah, I think a little bit, but one thing it does kind of put a bit of a burr in my saddle about this is that what is the end game here, right? Like, I think I can. I can buy what you're saying that if they get into our, they get into our, our Mars atmosphere. Earth is just going to accept it because probably they're moving it again is expensive and maybe not be able to be, be able to do it for technical reasons. But I mean, what how, what do they do then? You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I just don't see like everyone just kind of like, oh ho, oh, Dev, you got us now with their Yeah, I guess we'll have to mine the asteroid on Mars. Like, I don't know. This might be too big of a big answer for this question, but um, yeah, I probably going to your point. I think it probably can. I I buy that they this only t- this is a once in a generation chance to get this to happen that's okay.
1: Yeah, and like I said, they could. I mean, if it's in if, if it is parked in Mars orbit, that's the worry. It's like, why don't you just send in the Marines? You know, get yeah. the Space Force spun up twenty years early, send them out there, and take cause Like, what the hell is Mars going to do against the combined might of Earth? You know, that's uh, see the early goings of the Expanse.
0: Uh, the, and, the, <laughs> the prequel novel of like- Expanse and we'll see how that works out. And I was gonna say, and that kind of like, I think might lead some credence to the idea that this thing crashes, right? Because from a narrative perspective, yeah. creating creating spitting all that out creates a lot of problems. Where crashing it on Mars and mining it that way, it's neat and simple to go on to the next season.
1: No, you're 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 definitely onto something. That's why I'm like, man, I'm starting to really warm up to because that's the other thing is that that is the appropriate. That's the kind of like mind blowing shit that, like, for all mankind tries to like. You think it's going to be the one thing, and the finale is always like the other. So that would definitely be because I, I, until people start emailing, I that was not on my radar. I was thinking accidental impact hypothesis, I wasn't thinking, you know, calculated yeah. impact hypothesis. So, uh, that's it for this week's show, uh, for all mankind. That's F A M. F-A-M at baldmove.com if you want to send in feedback for next week. Again, follow us on all our social medias at baldmove. Uh, B. Michael, again, thank you so much for no problem, substituting for Jim. One do you, do you got anything you want to shout out in terms of... I definitely will link your socials and uh, anything else you want in the show notes, but if you uh, got a... Uh, uh, I think you said that in, in typical L.A. fashion, you're between projects right now?
0: Yeah, that's, that's what they're saying. That's what they say out here. I'm, I'm between projects, <laughs> so... Uh. No, I, you know, so nothing related to shout out. I'm just like happy to be here. Like I said, I think the only real thing qualified me to be on this podcast. You and I argued about Die Hard being a Christmas movie on Twitter. So, True,
1: but you also but had uh, like you've done you've done a lot of like NFL podcasting. Yeah, um, I
0: did. I, I'm I'm being funny. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's
1: uh, he, he's uh, I th- and he got I think he got a great he got a great voice. He got a great for vo- you got to get behind the microphone again.
0: Oh, thank you, sir. That's, I'm recovering from a cold. Oh, is that is that the husk? <laughs> that's this. <just, laughs> that's the.
1: Performance so, yeah, don't tell me disease that, no. is what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I'll be like I'll be trying to be like to get my Tom Waits voice happening now for the rest of the like, oh no, Aaron told me I had a great voice. I'm gonna just start screaming every morning to kind of get it like this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: You gotta get gotta do thirty minutes of screaming into a pillow to get to get into the shape.
0: I'll just want an ACDC cover band. Yeah, well, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Well again, thanks, B. Appreciate, Appreciate
1: it. it. Uh had a great time and uh maybe we'll work together soon. Or hopefully again in the future. Yeah. All right, we'll see you next week on For All Mankind. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm not. Say goodbye, everybody.